Greetings from Albert Camus Radio. We're going to have a series of special Albert Camus Radio podcasts for you. As you know, Albert Camus Radio is formally connected to the Albert Camus Society and the Journal of Camus Studies. Having this formal connection between the three entities allows for a number of advantages. And one of those is that you get to hear all the addresses given to the Albert Camus Society every year for free on this platform. So Albert Camus Radio is present at the meeting, the annual meeting of the Albert Camus Society, and we record uh, the addresses and some of the question and answer sessions and give them to you as they were presented. So this is a first from the 2022 meeting. So this is um, the Albert Camus Society's annual meeting, which took place in 2022 in um, Bloomsbury, London, England. First up is Dr. Peter Francev, who is a constant and extremely high quality contributor to Camus Studies worldwide. You will hear his address that he gave the Albert Camus Society on Camus' short story, The Adulterous Woman. I am sure you will enjoy and learn from this enlightening podcast. I thank you for your time. For as long as I have been formally and informally studying Camus, I've always been plagued, no pun intended, by the seemingly hard-light interpretation that the protagonist of one of Camus' most recognizable short stories, The Adulterous Woman, Janine has been largely contextualized as an unhappy married woman to her husband Marcel and has an affair of sorts that is anything but sexual. In this paper, I plan to examine what previous scholars have said about Janine, her mental state of mind, and her supposedly adulterous actions before, what, before I offer what seems to me a rather conventional and entirely plausible reading and interpretation of the short story, including Janine's, indeed, adulterous actions. This is not to say that Janine cannot be linked to previous Camusian characters who are both female and aware of their sexuality, namely Marie from The Stranger. Janine is, arguably, the only female protagonist in all of Camus' oeuvre, and this affords the reader the opportunity to examine her from the perspective of being both female and protagonist. Janine has been married to Marcel for approximately 20 to 25 years, and they are stuck in what appears to be a rather loveless marriage. Marcel seeks refuge in the company of his business and treats it as his mistress. Simply put, he pays no attention to Janine and devotes his time and energy to the business that fails to return the same amount of affection to him. In the present action of the short story, Janine has accompanied Marcel on a business trip away from France and to Algeria, where he is in the market for textiles. Throughout their travels, from the bus ride to interactions with locals, Marcel is completely oblivious to Janine's existence, and she is left questioning her attractiveness, which denotes her insecurities, and misreading of the French soldier on the bus. For example, when we look at the following passage, Janine suddenly felt that someone was looking at her and turned towards, turned towards the bench that was the extension of hers across the aisle. He was not an Arab, 
and she was surprised not to have noticed him at their departure. He examined her with his clear eyes, staring silently. She blushed all of a sudden and turned back towards her husband, who continued to gaze before him into the fog and wind. She pulled the lapels of her coat towards her. She was not so heavy, but tall and full, fleshy fleshy and desirable, certainly felt it in men's gazes with her rather childish face, warm and welcoming. The French soldier's glance is passing and not one of serious interest. Janine, however, thinks more of it because of the state of her being in a loveless marriage to Marcel. Her blushing is a biological and psychological reaction to the soldier's unexpected glances, which Janine misinterprets as advances. Pulling the lapels of her coat indicate a kind of mild trichotillomania, where, instead of pulling at her hair, she pulls at the lapels and the coat as a way to hide from the soldier's field of vision in a moment of apparent embarrassment. She continues to rationalize her insecurities and unhappiness with Marcel by justifying her physical appearance as a juxtaposition between society's positive and negative views of women of a woman's appearance. A little while later, whilst still on the bus, Janine and the soldier exchange glasses, glances again. This time, they are lingering longer than the initial glance. Yet Janine felt sleep overtaking her when the little yellow box filled with licorice drops materialized before her. The soldier jackal was smiling at her. She hesitated, helped herself, and thanked him. Jackal protected the pocket of the box and instantly swallowed his smile. Now he was staring straight ahead at the road. Janine turned toward Marcel and saw only the solid back of his neck. Some readers would see this as a moment of kindness between the soldier and Janine, namely my students. However, I would argue that the soldier approaches Janine. Um, I would argue that as the soldier approaches Janine, that the lovelessness of her marriage has clouded her perceptions and judgment. Hence, the initial hesitation prior to help, helping herself to the licorice pieces. When Janine turns to an unmoved Marcel in order to see his reaction, he is merely staring straight ahead and is completely aloof of what has just happened. These two instances demonstrate Janine's inability to separate a random act of kindness with physical attraction, and it is because of such confusion that Janine mistakes the soldier's intent. These are the moments in which she feels a connection, albeit slight, with someone other than her husband. And it is later in the story that once Janine arrives at the hotel alone that she begins to feel the weight of the lovelessness of her so-called marriage. She entered the hotel. When the manager had closed the door, Janine felt the cold coming from the bare whitewashed walls. She did not know where to put down her bag or herself. She remained standing, her bag in hand, staring at a kind of narrow window Near the ceiling, open onto the sky, she felt only her solitude and the penetrating cold, a heavy weight around her heart. She was dreaming of palm trees, straight and supple, and of the young girl she had been. I would argue that the cold coming from the bare whitewashed walls can be taken literally and figuratively. 
from a literal perspective, the Algerian desert is cold and the chill seeps into the hotel room. From a figurative perspective, Janine feels the coldness and the emptiness of the hotel room as Marcel is both literally and figuratively absent from their marriage. The third person narrator states that Janine does not know where to put her bag or herself. In an interesting semantical choice, the narrator negates Janine's unknowingness of where to put where to place the bag, and instead chooses to have the second half of the sentence focus on the uncertainty of self-placement within the room. Does Janine really not know where to put herself? On the bed or at the table within the room? Or is she doubting where to put herself in her marriage? Is she thinking of leaving Marcel? Is she thinking of having having an affair with the jackal soldier? These questions can be answered later in the story when Janine goes to the fort. Janine ultimately finds herself standing in front of the window, facing the ceiling towards the sky. In another moment of symbolic brilliance, Camus affords his readers the opportunity to imagine Janine longing to escape from the confines of the marriage. The window prevents her from escaping, but its transparency provides Janine with a glimpse of hope of what awaits on the other side of the window and of life. This is Janine's existential crisis. Her hell is other people, to paraphrase Sartre. No matter what choice she makes, she is damned if she does and she's damned if she doesn't. Ultimately, it does not matter how heavy the weight of her in decision because at the end of the scene and the passage she wants to dream of a carefree life where her happiness and freedom make her feel like she is young again when the business day is done for marcel janine suggests that they go to the fort climb to the top part of the rampart and look over the expanse of the desert at first marcel refuses but after pleadings from janine he agrees In what appears to be the first moment of Janine and the solitude of the desert, quote, as soon as they reached the roof and their gaze was lost beyond the palm grove in the vast horizon, it seemed to Janine that the whole sky rang with a single brief burst of sound, its echoes gradually filling the space above her, then ceasing abruptly, only to leave her silent before the limitless expanse, end quote. The silence is that before both the limitless expanse of the desert and Janine denotes an emptiness and an epoche, if you will, in which she begins to contemplate the significance of her life. We know that up to this point in the story, Janine and Marcel have been married for approximately to 20 to 25 years, that she still deems herself attractive, and that Marcel is essentially divorced from Janine and married to his business. We know that based on her thoughts and feelings, Janine is not actively looking for more excitement in her life. However, when she meets the French soldier on the bus, the seed of doubt about her marriage is planted, and this passage passage demonstrates its germination. In the next passage, still a part of the scene at the fort, quote, Janine, leaning, against, leaning her whole body against the parapet, was speechless incapable of tearing herself away from the void opening before her. Beside her, Marcel was agitated. He was cold. He wanted to go back down. 
down there, farther south, at the place where sky and earth met in a pure line, down there, suddenly it seemed to her that something was waiting that she had not known until today, and yet had always longed for. At the same time, in the heart of a woman, brought here by chance alone, a knot tightened by years, habit and boredom were slowly loosening. End quote. It is the emptiness of the desert that illuminates the emptiness of indifference in Janine's heart towards Marcel. There can be no doubt that at one time she loved Marcel and perhaps she was in love with him. However, now she is no longer connected to him in any way aside through the legal bonds of marriage. In any case, the division between them is both visual and deafening, much like the silence of the desert's expanse. In the silence that affords her the opportunity to begin the process of thinking about what to do about her marriage, quote, Janine did not know why this idea filled her with a sadness so sweet and so vast that she closed her eyes. She only knew that this kingdom had been promised to her from time immemorial and that it would never be hers, never again, except perhaps in the fleeting moment when she opened her eyes once more on the suddenly still sky and its streams of fixed light as the voices rising from the Arab town fell suddenly quiet. It seemed to her that turning earth had simply that the turning earth had simply stopped and that from now on no one would grow old or die. Everywhere, henceforth, life was suspended, except in her heart, where at that very moment someone was weeping with pain and wonder. End quote. Literally, it is not just the physical beauty of the desert that brings her to tears, but also the notion that Janine is has but also the notion that Janine probably has not seen something so remarkable in her life. And since she is from Paris, then it might be hard for her to have as hard for her to have escaped the city for the natural world, like the Algerian desert. This topography and geography is something strange to her, something foreign that cannot be explained, yet it needs explaining to her. She looks out across the land and wonders about the Algerians who live not in the city, but off the land, eking out a meager existence. She sees herself, she sees her marriage like those of the like those of the Algerians, isolate, isolated, desolate, and trapped by their circumstances. Her life seems to be full of Husserl's epoche, suspended whilst she tries to figure out who she is amidst this existential crisis. Following this, Janine and Marcel go to dinner, a quiet, uneventful dinner, and then they retire to their hotel room. Almost predictably, Marcel quickly falls asleep without so much as a good night to Janine, and she is again left contemplating the status of her marriage and her existence. The sounds from the Moorish cafes entice her. Music on the phonographs lure her thoughts away from Marcel and the cold, useless bed into a foreign world where new beginnings await and offer a respite from the mundaneness of her marriage and her life. It is at this moment that Janine realizes that the time has come for her to make a decision on whether or not she will stay with Marcel or leave him. Quote, she detached herself from Marcel. No, she could overcome nothing. She was not happy. She was going to die, in fact, without being delivered. Her heart was in pain, 
She was suffocating under an immense weight, which she suddenly discovered she had been dragging around for 20 years. Now she was struggling uh, now she was struggling under it with all her might. She wanted to be delivered, even if Marcel, even if the others never were. End quote. If ever there was a truly pure moment of existential crisis, then this is it. For 20 years, she has defined herself based upon her marriage and her role as a wife. She has not acted, thought, or existed for herself, and the selflessness with which she has endured has finally worn thin, stretched to the breaking point. The last sentence in this quote that declares Janine's wish to be delivered indicates a kind of prelude prior to her leaving the hotel room and escaping to the fort, running through the streets half-blind as the anticipation of freedom, literal, figurative, and sexual, carries her through the cold, dark night. At this point in my essay, you're probably wondering why I seem to be avoiding the point. Looking at Janine's actions as a physical, emotional, mental, and sexual adultery. I wanted to demonstrate that it is precisely because of her unhappiness and feelings of entrapment that motivate her to move forward with the adultery that Camus alludes to in the title of the story. When we come to the climax of the story, and yes, the pun is intended, I would like to cite the passage as a whole, and I would like you to look at the suggestive language that Camus intentionally employs to drive home the point that Janine has indeed committed adultery. And I apologize for not providing handouts. Quote, A final burst hurled her in spite of herself up to the roof against the parapet that now pressed against her belly. Running had not warmed her. She was trembling all over, no breath, no sound, except at times the muffled cracking of stones being reduced to sand by the cold came to disturb the solitude and silence that surrounded Janine. After a moment, however, it seemed to her that a kind of slow gyration was sweeping the sky above her. Before her, the stars were falling one by one, then extinguishing themselves in the stones of the desert, and each time Janine opened a little more to the night. She was breathing deeply. She forgot the cold, the weight of beings, the insane or static life, the long anguish of living and dying. After so many years fleeing from fear, running crazily, uselessly, she was finally coming to a halt. At the same time, she seemed to be recovering her roots, and the sap rose anew in her body, which was no longer trembling. Pressing her whole belly against the parapet, leaning towards the wheeling sky, she was only waiting for her pounding heart to settle down and for the silence to form in her. Then, with an unbearable sweetness, the waters of the night began to fill Janine, submerging the cold, rising gradually to the dark center of her being and overflowing upon wave upon wave to her moaning mouth. A moment later, while the sky stretched out above her as she lay with her back against the cold earth. End quote. This passage denotes Janine's climax, her breakaway from Marcel, and as so many scholars have pointed out, her adulterous action conceived with Mother Nature in a moment of insanity, as previously mentioned at the beginning of the essay, I believe that Janine's affair is not with Mother Nature or herself, as so many of us would believe, but with one of the soldiers at the fort.
Alba Amoya states that, quote, that night in their hotel room, Janine grasps her sleeping husband's shoulders. He is unresponsive as always. Realizing that there is no love between them and impelled by a strange interior force, she slips out and hurries through the sleeping town to the parapet of a fortress where she can contemplate the bright stars that unite her with her deepest self. Lying on the ground, Janine gives herself up to nature. End quote. Amoya believes that it is because of the lovelessness between Marcel and Janine that prompts Janine to literally leave Marcel for the fort, where she will find the solitude that she seeks as well as the solace that she needs in order to contemplate the adulterous quest where she then gives herself up to nature. She will surrender her body, mind, and soul to nature in order to obtain the freedom that she has longed for for 20 years. Marcel either could... Marcel, Marcel could either not choose or choose, could either not or choose not to provide, that's odd, for her well-being, so she needs to move on from him. By surrendering herself to nature, she becomes submissive to nature, and nature's control over her may not be the freedom that she thinks that she is receiving by leaving Marcel. This is a false sense of security. In any event, I would argue that Janine's false sense of security and understanding of nature's blessing affords her the rationale to surrender herself to the power of Mother Nature and the power of the human condition. In Exile from the Kingdom, a political rereading of Albert Camus, Susan Taro holds that, quote, all is cold and hard. Even Janine's experience of the physical union with the world is like a cold flood rather than a warm glow as she leans against the stone parapet of the fortress. End quote. It is not just the physical world that is cold and hard, but it also Marcel's feelings for Janine. His cold indifference is what, in part, drives her away, forcing her to find love and solace in her own hands or in the arms of another. Taro interprets Janine's wave after wave of the sap rising within her body as the cold flood of her realization of freedom from Marcel and the patriarchy that holds her down. Elizabeth Ann Bartlett takes Taro's interpretation and moves it into the sexual realm. Quote, in Camus' short story, The Adulterous Woman, the central character, Janine, slips away in the middle of the night and in making love to the night sky experiences a spiritual renewal. No doubt it represents liberation, far beyond Janine's. End quote. Bartlett is the first scholar, to my knowledge, that sees Janine's affair as a sexualized union between the human world, represented by Janine, and the natural world, represented by the desert. Bartlett and others hold that Janine's affair is either one with the natural world or is an affair with oneself. In the former instance, Janine's affair is symbolic through the connection with the natural world in that it is the natural world that establishes the, the idea of freedom from Marcel, from the patriarchy, from the society, within Janine. In the latter instance, the affair that Janine has is one in which she masturbates to her newfound freedom and identity. To my knowledge, I am the first scholar, and I say this seriously, to believe that Janine's affair is not merely symbolic is not merely a symbolic affair with the natural world or with Mother Nature, nor is it nor is it one of self-expression through self-gratification and masturbation. However, it is one in which there actually is a French soldier, not necessarily the soldier from the bus, 
but a soldier perhaps on sentry on night's watch, who sees a single woman alone looking out across the desert plains longing for freedom from the chains of a loveless marriage and self-doubt. Once again, I return to the literary climax of the story. After so many years fleeing from fear, running crazily, uselessly, she was finally coming to a halt. And at the same time, she seemed to be recovering her roots. The sap rose anew in her body, which was no longer trembling. Pressing her whole belly against the parapet, leaning against the wheeling sky, she was only waiting for her pounding heart to settle down and for the silence to form in her. Then, with an unbearable sweetness, the waters of the night began to fill Janine, submerging the cold, rising gradually to the dark center of her being, and overflowing wave upon wave to her moaning mouth. A moment later, while the sky stretched out above her as she lay down, lay with her back against the cold earth, end quote. Camus' language is incredibly suggestive of a physical, sexual affair. In a slow, imaginative reading, readers can visualize Janine running to the top of the fort, pressing her belly against the parapet as she reaches for the freedom of the desert landscape, but she's held back. Suddenly, a soldier approaches her from behind and inserts himself into her. Then the slow gyration of intercourse begins. From here, the waters of the night begin to fill Janine, rising gradually to the dark center of her being, and she climaxes with multiple orgasms that can be described as overflowing wave upon wave to her moaning mouth. Physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausted, she collapses on the cold earth. The soldier leaves, the soldier leaves her alone on the parapet, having used her for his own gratification. Janine collects herself and quickly and quietly returns to the hotel room where she shares with Marcel. She gets back into bed. He is startled and drowsily drinks some water. Upon returning to bed, he notices that, quote, she is weeping uncontrollably, unable to restrain herself. It's nothing, darling, she said. It's nothing, end quote. Indeed, if it was nothing, then why is Janine weeping uncontrollably? If it was truly nothing, then it should not have affected her to the point of breaking down and crying. Looking back at Bartlett, Taro, and scholars who believe that Janine's fair is singular and masturbatory or internalized and not actualized, I would say that the, that the tears are those of the realization of freedom no longer needing Marcel, or that they are the tears of fear that she will never be able to have the mental fortitude to leave Marcel, and she is forever trapped in a loveless marriage. Counter to this notion, I contend that when Janine tells Marcel that it's nothing, that she uses the semantics of language to hold that even though it may appear to be nothing, it is in fact really quite something. Clearly, Janine's thoughts and feelings are elsewhere, not with Marcel. They are either within herself, taking the seemingly conventionally accepted perspective, or they are related to the physical, sexual affair that she has just engaged in. Regardless, Janine's tears denote an acceptance of fate and a potential release from the bondage of a loveless marriage. Camus' deliberate ambiguity that is found in almost all of his works is once again crucial to readers' interpretations at the conclusion of the work. Moya Longstaff holds that, quote, Critics have remarked that Janine's supreme experience of the kingdom is ultimately described in lyrical terms of heightened female eroticism. In the night, tormented by the mind-numbing pointlessness of her life and her own dread of death, she arises from her marital bed and creeps out of the hotel. 
Braving the cold, the dark, and the sinister howling, howlings of the dogs of the oasis, she returns to the terrace of the fort. Her courage is rewarded, for there in the silence, the solitude, and in the darkness, she opens herself to the night and the stars. Her anguish ceases. The sap rises in the core of her being, and she falls back upon the ground. The water of the night fills her being, and the night sky covers her. Such is Janine's adultery. End quote. Longstaff can be seen as the mediary between those who view Janine's adultery as purely self-inflicted and those who view the affair as purely sexual. I would also argue that the blackness of the night sky acts uh, can be interpreted as a symbolic shroud of death as her orgasm is a little death of herself in addition, in addition to being a figurative death of her marriage. Finally, I would comment that on the idea of exile, per the title of the collection, Exile and the Kingdom, denotes Janine's multiple exiles, an exile from France, an exile from Marcel in the world, and until the affair, an exile from herself. Thus, her sexualized affair or her masturbation are ways in which she is set free um, and allowed to enter the kingdom of individuals like Merceau, Taru, Ryu, and even Jean-Baptiste Clemence, where the freedom from death is rooted in the individual's acceptance of the philosophy of the absurd, that one must accept death's inevitability and move towards the freedom of choice and responsibility. Janine does this the moment she literally and figuratively takes her life into her own hands.